Welcome to the Boom or Bust NRL Fantasy Podcast 2023. If you like what you hear today, make sure to follow us at Boom or Bust NRL on Facebook and Instagram and subscribe to the podcast. Good evening and welcome to the Boom or Bust NRL Fantasy Podcast with our pre-seasons and previews for 2023. We're getting into our pre-season preview number five for the Eels and the Tigers. It's great to have you guys listening again. I'm your host, Stuart Lord. And tonight I'm joined by Nick Lord, who is our stats guru and resident fantasy nugget. Hey, Nick. What to do, baby? How's it going, mate? How's it going? Good. Yourself? Yeah, good, mate. Can't complain. That's good. Our, our preseason uh, madness continues. We, we can't get the full team together, but that, that's all right. Mate, it's actually kind of good. I get a bit sick of uh, this talking to the same people all the time, so I don't, I don't mind this. Mitch, if you're out there, notice that Nick has to talk to me every time because I'm the host, so really he's saying he's sick of you. <laughs> but to back up Mitch today, instead, we actually have a guy who's definitely not Michael Sarah. But he's a guest and a bit of a fantasy assassin over here. We have uh-huh. Anthony Brown. How are you going? Yeah, good. Thanks for having me back on, fellas. Good to be back. Yeah, it's been a while, but it's, it's, it's great to have you back, mate. How are things? Yeah, things are great. Footy season's just around the corner, so it couldn't be better. I love it. And you know what the best part is? Listeners at home, Anthony is uh, getting married, but he's not excited about that. He's excited about footy season. And he's a Dragon supporter, <laughs> so he's got nothing to be excited about. <laughs> <laughs> oh, let's go, baby. <laughs> you got to be a footy fan <laughs> if you're ex- still excited and you're Dragon supporter this year, doing it. Oh, yeah, definitely. Oh, uh, it's all good, mate. No, I'm sure it won't be as bad as everyone's, everyone's joking. Let's anyway, hope, look, uh, we, we talked about the Dragons last time, so today we're here to talk about the Eels and the Tigers. Before we do that, thank you to everyone who is listening. We appreciate it. Uh, if you guys want to leave a review, I will check out our Facebook page at Boomabust NRL on Facebook and Instagram. We have stuff up there pretty often, including stuff from the pods, you know, a few jokes, a few laughs as well, whenever I see something funny enough to post up. And guys, just before we kick off into the team today, a little bit of news. How about go with the real big news from the week? Latrell Mitchell and Jack Whiten. Nick, you know, it's just two guys having a wrestle or was it a bit dumb? Oh, a bit of both, mate. Well, I don't know. I don't know what you say about these two, but I suppose boys will be boys, right? That's We're right. Just, a cuddle. just a cuddle. Just a cuddle. The only thing I have is that it's always the same guys. <laughs> if it was like, oh, look, boys will be boys, and it was always this like wild, revolving group of people, right? That'd be one thing. But it's always this, there's like a select group of, you know, I'd say, what, 10% of the league in about 90% of the news cases. Anyhow. Uh, guys, if uh, we don't, you probably don't have too many NRL players listening. But if if you do, uh, save the wrestling for the jiu-jitsu mats, right? That's it, mate. Easy. Uh, next one up. Uh, the the other real big one uh, is the RLPA coming out saying that the CBA is not signed. They've also indicated that they may delay the start of the trials, cover up NRL logos, and that as a last resort. There may be strike action either during the second trials or possibly during the season itself. Uh, and how, how do you think this is all going to go down, mate? Uh, I don't think they're going to go as far as not playing, but I think they'll they'll get a deal. I think this is just kind of like this way to fire a warning shot, really. Um, like, I mean, some of these measures aren't too invasive, like covering up the NRL logo. Like, we all know it's still the NRL, right? Um but they'll, they'll get a deal done. 
Um, it's just whether the public perceives it as the players being greedy or not. So they, the players have to be very careful with the goodwill they have um, and not, not overuse it. Yeah, oh, definitely goodwill is something that is hard to hard to come by there. Uh, Nick, your thoughts on the, any thoughts on the CBA on your side? Mate, I think they'll get it sorted before the season. Mm. Yeah, I, I certainly hope so because, you know, not to be like, you know, the RLPA looks like they've got some good things around player protection. Uh, it's a little bit he said, she said at the moment. But yes, I think we would all like everything sort of well in advance, wouldn't we? Yeah, it's all uh, it's all good stuff that they're fighting for, so they should just sign off and move on. That's it. And, yeah, let, let's, let's wait to see that one out. Uh, last one that came out uh, was Cam Munster. It's come out that he has a ongoing uh, osteus pubis injury, which is that gross. I don't know whether you guys were listening to Mitch talk the uh, other week about the injury to Adam Elliott and a couple of the other guys and AJ Brimson. Same sort of that injury. Uh, hard to fix, hard to manage. Uh, guys, does this does this affect how you feel about Cam Munster going into the season? Mate, I remember Mick Wayman actually had this um, way back in the glory days. Glory days, I'm talking 2009-2010. And it <laughs> bloody affected him, right? And he was just a you know straightforward sort of guy. I do not know how... You know, Mitch was talking about this with AJ in particular. I do not know how Cam's going to manage an injury like this this year. Yeah, playing fullback, that is. So, yeah, good luck to him. That's it. So, yeah, let's hope that... Uh, yeah, Munster, yeah, Munster is really... He's that guy who all of his top fantasy scoring really comes from that explosive running game that he's got. Like, he, the base stats come from the kicks and everything else, and that'll be affected too, right, with that, with that movement through the legs. So... It kind of, I don't know whether you guys have any more thoughts about Jerome Hughes. Like if Cam Munster's off a couple of steps, would there be any in, any interest in your guys' part on a flea fit Jerome Hughes, not carrying any of those niggles? Maybe later in the season, maybe. Um, but probably not to open the season with. Fair enough. Nick? Mate, I'm a go on Nick Meany at the moment. So that that's a big, big, um, big green tick for me to pull in Nick Meany, I think. Fair enough. I'm... I'm a little bit worried about Meany just because perhaps might be back round three, round four. But I guess you've got a little bit of time to get off. You have so many trades this year, you can afford to take a risk early on, right? Well, you know, perhaps could be round 10. He could be round 20. So, That's you know, true. you've got to take some risks. And, you know me, mate, I love goal kickers. That you Oof. do? Well, look, and he's, he's a goal kicker for sure. All right. Well, look, let's crack into the Eels. Uh, so, guys few changes there this year. Let's talk about the guys they picked up first. Uh, so, Gian Arce from the New Zealand Warriors. Matt Dury from the Bulldogs. Uh, Josh Hodgson uh, from the Raiders. Jermaine Hopgood, a sad loss, but uh, from the Panthers. Uh, Samuel uh, Luzu, uh, who's I believe is signed just into the top 30 from reserve grade. Uh, Jura Momazia from the Newcastle Knights. Jack Murchie from the New Zealand Warriors. And Kai Robwell also signed up uh, from the juniors. Uh, Ant, who are the losses, mate? Yeah, so I reckon Kafusi from the Sharks is coming in. Oh, no, no. Uh, going, sorry, going lost. he left. Sorry, he left. Reed Marnie. He went to the Bulldogs, as we all know. Maradine Kore, straight to New Zealand Warriors. Tom Opacek, all the way to Hull, Kingston Rovers. Big loss here. Isaiah Papali'i, West Tigers. 
Hayes Param straight to the Bulldogs and Ray Stone, the man who scored that great try and did his, uh, what was it, hammy or ACL? I can't remember. Straight to the Dolphins. ACL on the game-winning stride. Uh, it was good, but not for Ray Stone. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, it's not like it's the grand final. I mean, if it's the grand final, surely you'd snap that season and be chaired around Parramatta and get a free coffee for life. But round six... I'm not sure. It's it was the it, right? storm, though. Like it's it it kind of is when it's against the storm, right? Like especially that, that was early. an epic game. It was. It really was. But oh, tough, tough, tough loss for for, for Race Stone. That's it. All right. So, guys, question for you, starting with you, Ant. Is this team, in your opinion, better or worse in 2023? Oh. Um, losing Isaiah Papali, that's pretty big loss. Like he was a monster on the edge. Like you could see in his fantasy score, like monster for the Eels and Reed Money. But getting Josh Hodgson as a replacement, like I don't think they're really any better or worse in that respect. Um, is the window still open? I think it's shutting. <laughs> it's still like just a jar, but I I think they've lost a little bit of talent. Um, so they might lose a bit of cohesion. Uh, this year, but we'll see if they can pull it together over the year. Fair enough. Nick, how about you? What are you feeling? Oh, the same, mate. I think they're just slightly worse. Yeah, no, same for me. The only thing I'd say is that uh, I think that Jermaine Hopgood is one of the best pickups this year, like one of the best non-superstar pickups of the year. And uh, look, Jeremiah, he is also a guy who is really impressive for me, so but we'll talk about him a little bit later. But yes, like, as far as plays in, plays out, uh, you just, I guess, they're hoping in Parramatta, they can uh, just back up their efforts from last year, right? So, anyway, let's have a look at uh, some injuries real quick. Uh, Normally Mitch would do these, but look, I'll just run through them real quick. Look, Ryan Madison suspended till round four uh, because he didn't want to pay a fine. And as we all know, the best ability is availability. And Ryan Madison is not available. So, great player. But he didn't want to pay $4,000. Had a bit of a whinge about it, no less, to the papers. Saying, you know, other people don't have to pay their own fines if they do something wrong at work. And so, suddenly he... um, yeah, he's not available. They tried to protest it and the NRL said, no, you've, you've already pledged your case. Go away. So uh, tough luck for Ryan. Uh, look, let's have a look. Hayes Dunster did his ACL in the preseason. I believe was that by his brother or uh, brother-in-law, Tyrell Fuimayono. Was that that particular yeah, hip drop? Yeah, it was. Yeah. So, yeah. That one. Yeah, so look, Hayes Dunster returns. He's had the full preseason, but he was absolutely ruined in that tackle. So let's hope he's back to full speed. We also had Bailey Simonson uh, return as well from a shoulder reconstruction and he should uh there's no return date attached to bailey simonson at this stage uh which means you you know hayes dunster and sean russell are possibly in the frame here and the last guy of course george hodgson had that knee instability he really only played what 10 minutes of last season so six minutes i think it was so he uh he returns and we'll see how that goes for Josh. But look, he's had the full year as well by the time that the season starts. 
Uh, so Nick, take us a look through how hard is it to be a Parramatta Eel this year? Mate, uh, it's pretty ugly. In my estimation, they are the hardest overall schedule. They're the third hardest rounds 1 to 12. They actually have the easiest origin period, rounds 13 to 20. But then they have the seventh hardest rounds 21 to 27. So their buyers, guys, round 14, 18, and 27. So they've got a really nice clean run up to the origin period, which we like. So the easiest stretch includes two buyers uh, in the origin period against some favorable origin affected or they're just easy opponents. So round 13, they got the Cowboys at home. So they'll be heavily origin affected. Mm. They got the round 14 buyers mentioned. They got round 15, the Bulldogs away. They're round 16, they are the Seagulls at home who will be heavily origin affected as well with your Trebojevic, um and DCE. You then have the round 17 Dolphins away and we think they're going to be bad not if not, not great, yeah. And then the round 18 by, and then round 19, they've got the Warriors at home, and they're going to be bad, we think. And then they've got round 20, the Titans. So really, this is just an absolute breeze across the origin period for those guys who aren't going to be picked an origin. So, you know, you're thinking you potentially your Mitch Moses, your Dylan Brown, maybe your Guffo or Hodgson, I don't know, someone like that, who might just rack up some silly points in a really tricky spot. Um, they also uh, play rounds 13 and 19 and 16. So really, there's a bit of value here in this origin period for Parramatta guys. Um, in terms of the gross uh, periods, we've got rounds 1 to 5. So to start off the season, guys, they got the Storm at home, the Sharks at home, the Seagulls away, they got the Panthers at home, then the Roosters away. So that's a really tough start, um, in my opinion. And the nasty run home and the awkward round uh, by in round 27. So you've got the round 24 Broncos away, round 25 the Roosters home, round 26 the Panthers away, and then the final round by. So it's a bit awkward in the back end there. So um, setting them up for finals at least, that round 27 by, where most teams want to rest their guys anyway. But yes, yeah, for potentially, fantasy, that's a shocker. Well, if they just rested round 26 against the Panthers, they'd effectively get two weeks off, which might not be a bad strategy for them, to be honest. If you just play Reggie's in round 26 against the Panthers away, oh, you know, you can really... Depends where they're at, but yeah, I do get your Yeah, point. yeah, yeah. If they're where they are from last season, potentially. Anyway, um, in terms of teams twice, they've got the Broncos, Bulldogs, Cowboys, Panthers, Roosters, Seagulls, Storm, and Titans. So some tough guys in there. Um so I think you could really cash in with the Eels bashing up teams over the origin period, guys, um, when they're sort of marred by buy, by the buyers. Um, that said, none of their buyers are actually in the chaos weeks, as I mentioned, which means their non-origin guns will be very valuable uh, when guns and actually the teams that you need to pick are short, uh, particularly captaincy options. So I think the Eels need a, a tough start like this to get them going early because, you know, um, for the last couple of years or so, they've been quite... Uh, arrogant in terms of how they started seasons, like sort of not really going pedal to the metal. So I think the fact they've got a tough start is good for them as a team. So I back their gun forwards against the tough teams early to produce and look at their halves and backs after those first five rounds um, when they start when their schedule starts to ease up. So it's it's actually a really juicy schedule, guys. That's good. Only thing that I'd be concerned by is that you, at the time you want to buy them, it's also the time that they got two buyers back to back where you're not scoring points. So that, that's my only concern there. So if you pick them up over the origin period, they're still not available. So no, but they're, they're available in the um, 
pre-origin weeks. Yes, exactly. So, 13, so like, 16, 19, which I think, which I think is, is extremely valuable. True. I guess it's just if you're trading into against them. against bad teams like look what Cowboys, then they got the Seagulls and they got the Warriors. Like well, I'm the, just linking that. Yeah, the Cowboys will be down quite. A, they're a good team, but down quite a few troops. I totally get it. So yeah, yeah, there, yeah. there's there's options there. It's just that yeah, every time you think that you've got a good run, it's like round that round fourteen and round eighteen. I could have ate one. Not sure about both, but I guess we'll have a think. Yes. Yeah. There's certainly there's certainly some options there. Uh, uh, really, you can you can pick up eels from round one and carry them through till most of the season. To be honest, because the fourteen and eighteen buys are good, and then you just won't have them for the last round, so you can dump them when you want. Really, uh, from an overall point of view, so um, yeah, that's true. The, not the too shed, awkward at all. The schedule's not dictating too much, no. Mm. Which is good, and that first clean run, that clean bill, I like. Love it. All right, so let, let's have a look at the seventeen. Uh, it should be a real quick one. Uh, look, King Gutho, at fullback. Uh, I've got Hayes, Dunster, and Mike Sivo uh, on the wing. Though, of course, uh, we could uh, could see Sean Russell compete for that spot against Hayes Dunster. Uh, and look, in the centres, I've got Will Penasini and uh, Wonga Blake. We On the halves, pretty easy. Mitch Moses in what could be his last season at the Eels, along with Dylan Brown, who could be there till 2030. Uh, we have uh, in up forward, pretty easy. Regan Campbell-Gillard and Junior Polo. We have Josh Hodgson at hooker. On the edge, look, we have Sean Lane, who is... Guys, are you surprised that Sean Lane is playing in the trials? Like, first game uh, of the trials? Yeah, I mean, rolling him, him out that early. That, they probably just want to get a good look at something. I'm not sure what it is, but... To, to roll a premium player out that early, that's interesting. Yeah, unless so, they've got like some setups, like uh, plays they want to run that involve him. Ah, interesting. So uh, for sure, or maybe he's changing sides. That's the only other thing. Yeah, that's a possibility. Of. Yeah, he's changing to the changing to the right. Uh, so look, Sean Lane, and look, originally I had Jack Murchie on the edge, but the more that I'm hearing about, the more it might be Adjira Mamasia who's trialing there in that starting spot who makes him very interesting. Oof. And look, I've got uh, Jermaine Hopgood at 13. And uh, on the bench, now Bryce Cartwright has, we didn't mention him in the thing, but he fractured his draw, jaw at training. So he is a possible round one start because it's it's a four-week injury, but we'll have to see. But as it stands, we've got Bryce Cartwright, uh, Makahesi Makatoa, uh, Jack Murchie, and then it could be someone like Jacob Arthur or it's, uh, you know, there are a few different options there for that final bench spot. We're not really too interested in that one. Uh, looking at the rest of this, guys, the, the other one is Ryan Madison is obviously suspended to round four. And at that point, he might come back into that, uh, you know, number 15 utility role playing, uh, coming off the middle from about 25 minutes. So look, speaking of Ryan Madison, Nick... Uh, obviously we probably don't want to start with Ryan Madison because he is suspended the first three rounds and that is now confirmed that he won't, he won't be liberated from that. So what are we thinking about Ryan Madison? Eight, 771k, he's a mid, break even 53. He averaged 54 last year. Uh, he's got no ownership because of that suspension. We know he's got the sick PPM playing at lock and off the pine. 
loves an offload, ran the ball really hard last year, which we haven't seen throughout his career. Essentially, um, don't pick him up round one, but after that, if you think he'll crack more minutes, uh, he could have some more points, uh, but really he's uh, no value. Um, and I just have a sneaky suspicion he might just continue to be off the bench, Stu, which leads us into uh, your mate, Jermaine Hopgood, who we think will start over Ryan Madison, don't we? That's it. Look, uh, Jermaine Hopgood is the guy who's been in the Panther system a little while. He's 453k, break-even 31 on the edge. He's one of these guys who is looks great, and especially if named at uh, 13 for round one, We'll pick up dual play positioning, which is gold this year, guys. Ooh, mate, that is huge. In that price range, getting a good mid, that is like gold in this season, in my opinion. What do you think? Oh, for sure. He would solve my third middle option, or he could be that guy who sits on your bench just as that week-to-week cover to shuffle in, shuffle out as the buys happen. So, yeah, so Jermaine Hopgood is the uh, first or second guy on my bench every time I rebuild my team. As it stands, uh, I would I'd have him start. He's good enough to start, but he's just he works really well on the bench as a DPP. In my head, anyway. So the reason why why we're liking guys, he averaged a 0.85 ppm off the bench of the Panthers in 2022, which is decent. But he only averaged 31.8, which is why he's priced at 31. This is for the Panthers, but the reason why we're interested is because. He was basically banished to the shadow realm a little bit from the Panthers' first grade team once they knew they'd sign with Para. They so, but he's new in the New South Wales Cup. He's off the chain. He averages sixty three point nine at lock in sixty nine minutes. He can also play prop sixty three point five in a crazy seventy six minute average, and he can play on the edge too with just just around forty in a couple of games. So guys. It's just, if you look at past performance as an indication of future performance, Jermaine Hopgood here, you can, he looks to be crazy value, especially if he gets anything above 45 minutes. So, like, because we're talking here, uh, he gets close to about a 0.94 ppm. Yeah, at lock. Mate, he might be the boom of the season so far for us. So, what, what are we, pod number five now? I think this might be boom of the season, mate. It is, and... Looking at that, are you interested in getting Jermaine Hopgood? Yes, you sold him. <laughs> I need that's, him. <laughs> that's that's it. He's been. It is he, uh, Eli Katoa, and uh, oh, who else is in my fantasy team? Uh, those two. So and Ghana. Uh, Ghana. Yeah, all three of them have been in every draft, but Jermaine Hopgood is the best by far for me. And that DPP will just be the absolute icing on the cake if he gets it. Uh, the other, so that DPP, and the other thing is that he would be playing first grade for the Panthers, I'm almost certain, except for the fact that his best position is lock. So he's basically kept in reserve for Isaiah Yo, who played a ton of games last year. So, yeah, a bit of a shame to lose him from the Panthers, but it's the Eels' benefit. So I've got him as a big fat boom. And uh, I might go to a guy who's a little bit of a bast. Uh, Bryce Cartwright, 250k. Uh, now, a few guys have bought in on him, but really, guys, look, Bryce Cartwright's been on a downward slide for, what, six or seven seasons now? Yep. So, so he couldn't crack the 17th Eels for much of the season, got dropped for the grand final. Uh, he might be that possible 14 that sometimes Jacob Arthur was playing. 
uh, the issue is is that his minutes are sporadic. The coach doesn't seem to have full confidence in him. So Cartwright's involvement will be patchy. So I would avoid him unless he somehow jags a start due to some combination of injury and or mass psychosis over at Parramatta. If you really need a... Yeah, and especially after he broke that draw at training, he will... Uh, he will be down on match fitness running into that first game. So, because, yeah, because he should be back for round one for it, but he still still looks busted. I would, and look, if you need a cheap uh, emergency edge after you've picked up, you know, all those other guys, there's another guy we want to talk about a bit later on or possibly Carl Lawton. Uh, but look... I don't, I don't think that you, there's a real need for a budget edge. There seems to be about half a dozen contenders um, this year. That's you know. true. Oh, that's true. Though, there is one guy that uh, has recently been named on the edge to start in the first trial, right, for the right. Eels. Uh, Ant, your guy, Jiro Momosia. Yeah, so he came from the Knights, if I recall correctly, mm-hmm. and I remember watching him a couple of times because Sam follows the Knights. Um, he, he's quite a, quite a good player. I think he scored maybe once or twice. Um, but he's 250k, break even of 17, averages eight over the games he played last season. Um, he's a nice little cheapy. Uh, although he's on bench rotation, he'll be good to have in your emergency and interchange, I reckon. Just considering the buy factors this season uh, for fantasy. Um, the break even of 17 is kind of on the high side at the moment, considering he's averaging eight. Um, but. Tonight, his last game, he actually cracked out a 30 to get eight, but it was against like a pretty awful Broncos side. That was when they were starting there at slide. The, the big decline. Yeah. Yeah. Well, so the... I reckon he'll be pretty good to have. I'd put him under a, a boom. Um, but I'd probably just watch him in trials. Um, see if he gets a run, see if he passes the eye test. And that's then it. on that first week, you know, if he gets picked, then that's great. But uh, we'll see how he goes first. That's it. Well, look, the sky's the minute for me on sky. The sky's the minute. The sky's the limit for me on this guy, <laughs> because if he gets that edge spot, like if he's on the bench, yeah, look, it's it's whatever. It's like every other bench forward in the game, right? But if yeah, exactly. he if he gets that edge spot, and we hear good things about him on the edge, uh, and you know the reports are saying that he's doing well there, uh, he's hundred and ninety four centimeters. Uh, sorry, 193 centimetres, 109 kilos running out there. If he's got a good motor too, I get a sneaky... And he's from New Zealand, no less. Are we smelling Isaiah Papley 2.0? Nick? Uh, he sounds more like Tupanua. Yeah, that's true. Tall fella. But a- a- either way, there, there should be a fair fair waft of value there, should there not? 100%. You, you, obviously, it's just minutes dependent, so I just have to... Watch and save, right? That's it. Now, having a look at New South Wales Cup, he does have some history. He actually played a fair few games there for the Knights last year. Uh, Average 67.5 minutes for 37 fantasy points. So, you know, we see a clear path to 10 points, which is what we want here for the price rise. And look, if he gets closer to that 20, look, I'd be keen. Uh, and certainly more more happy about him than some of the other 250k nuggets that I'll be wanting in my team. All right, Nick, who have you got next off the bench for us, mate? 
off the bench. Oh, just 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 bench. off the guys that you got. Oh right, uh, okay. Sean Sean Lane, sorry mate. Sean Lane, seven seventy one k, just an edge, break even fifty three, which he averaged in twenty twenty two, and a super pod, just two uh, percent ownership. So really, no one. I don't think anyone saw him coming last year. He made two hundred k in price rises, forty two points in base, and like half a try assist per game, which is just boss. Mm. Um. So realistically, in my opinion, I think you're just paying full freight for a player who had a career year last year. Um, he really talked about how he sort of uh, remade his mental state um, heading into last year and really um, was more focused than he ever has been as a footballer because he's clearly got the talent and he just really put it together last year. Um, so to have any value, you need to make some sort of unlikely leap in attacking production. I just don't really see any catalyst. Um I mean, what what I was looking at before is uh, when you th- talked about him switching sides. I just had a look online. He looks like he's actually a um, right uh, ball carrier, which means um, he'd be quite handy on the right edge, obviously with the left palm. But I think because he's a right arm ball carrier, it actually helped his offload game because he's so tall, so he can get that arm free and just sort of hook it across his body rather than throwing it out the back sort of offload. So um, yes. Yeah, I don't. I don't think that would necessarily improve his game only because he's so tall and can already get the ball free so easily. So um, yeah, I just I don't see any value in getting him this year. Unfortunately, guys, is there any interest, Ants? No, I think you nailed it. Like seven seventy one. Um, yeah, I don't see his attack getting any better. Like uh, he's doing those great offloads, like you said, but there's not much more he can do to push his price up. Um, sorry, his points up. So yeah, definitely not going to touch him. Yeah, he's he's, in, he's he's the fourth most expensive uh, edge forward, right? Off a career best year, it's 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 risky as where at best you're going to keep the value. I think you have like there's just not that much more to get, is there? Nah, I, it's just just so risky trying to do that, and his base is already so solid already. So that's just tricky. That's it. Uh, especially because, you know, we're, if we're feeling that there might be a slight weakness in that side this year, they might mark on, up on Sean Lane a little bit more. All right. Yep. Uh, let's let's talk about another guy that we need to talk about a little bit, Matt Dury. It's seen him in quite a few sides. 250K, 17 break even on an edge. Uh, he is our non-preferred winner on an edge spot as he's played a grand total of four first-grade games for an average of 35, uh, where, he's, where he's been a starter. Uh, he'll still make that coin on the edge, uh, but I would think that Momosea is our preference for the lead. Or, you know, if Matto or Hopgood ends up that out there, either of them. But by the trials list, it looks like Matt and Dury may be missing out. So I guess I would not really pencil him in unless we see something on Teamless Tuesday. And even then, I'd still be a bit... Eh. Like, I'd almost have to man over what I've seen of Matt Dury's uh, stats. His PPM is, is not good. It's in the 0.6 range. Yeah. Nick, uh, any disagreement on that one? Mate, I, I don't think I've watched Matt Dury play, so I can't really comment if oh. I'm honest. So, yeah. Yeah, look, I've seen it a couple times at the Bulldogs, but it's been real real sort of sketchy back at the, like, yeah, when they were just trying to cycle through players, see if anything's stuck in their Baz seasons. All right, uh, and let's go through your last guy, mate. Hayes Dunster. So, um, yeah, Mister Mister Hip Drop recipient, uh, twenty twenty two himself. 
What are we thinking? Back with a vengeance, hopefully. <laughs> um, so Hayes Dunstar, so he's priced at 250k uh, with a break even of 17, based on his stats. Um, so he was unlucky last year to cop an injury, like you said, from Fumiano. Hopefully they've made up on that, or maybe not. We'll see when they play each other. Um, he missed the whole season, and looking at his stats, he's a very quite impressive player. Um, quite a cheap fullback option to start the year if Parra can start hot and attack through the wings. He might pick up a lot of cash to convert later. So based on that strength schedule with uh, Nick was saying, uh, probably they might not be scoring as much. It will probably be tight games early on. Um, so I'd say maybe pick him up probably when they start tracking into that easier part of the season. Um, maybe give him a look in, like I said, with Dry Mamasea, the same thing in the trials. Just see who's picked. They might uh, switch out. Like you mentioned, Sean Russell might get a run, Hayes Dunstan, and then that, that'll that give you an option to see um, who's the who's the better uh, player to pick. For but, yeah, sure. I put him at spicy, though, because... Like two fifty is pretty low, and like he he could go he could go off, you know. Oh, there's um, there's money there, mate. Like he he's averaging thirty one point three in the last in twenty twenty one, uh, for his games. So a couple of low scores there, but like in your emergencies, you know, not 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 the worst option. Although, guys, question for you: uh, if you were going to pick up a guy, would you rather him or would you rather a guy playing uh, fullback like Tyrell Sloan as that sort of emergency fullback option? Oh, oh. Worst team, Sloan. better position. Probably Sloan, just because. Yeah, I seen Sloan play, and he just he, when if we see him play more this year, I reckon he's he he's got the goods. Like we've seen Hayes Dunster, um, so we kind of know what we're gonna get with Tyrell Sloan. He probably has a bigger, um, I guess risk factor, but he could go. Are off, assuming the Dragons have a decent season, right? That that's the real risk. Oh, it is, but yeah, I I I think he's also got a high high base run meters, you know, kick return meters, stuff yeah, exactly. like that from there. So, yeah, look, I I definitely see that. Yeah, he's, he's a bit spicy in there if you, if you need the final spot, but uh, look, I probably have Sloan ahead of him just for the moment. Nick, agree? Oh, that's a, that's just so tricky. Um, I really like Hayes uh, Dunster, so I thought he's really good in um, 2021, but that was obviously COVID ball. So, I mean, not COVID ball. Yeah, COVID ball, Delaney's ball. So, um, yeah, a bit tricky because um, you just think those sort of outside backs just uh, got a little bit extra. So, can easily send 10 points of value in Dunster, but really Sloan does offer some pretty... He just pops off the page a bit more. But um, I think with uh, Sloan, just quickly... Um, he sounds like he's really uh, matured, so I think that's really huge because he sort of had it sort of handed to him. So I'd sort of lean Sloan in that sense, you know, that um, I think he's ready for a leap. Nice. All right. So, so look, we'll, we'll say, look, Hayes done so. It's not bad if you get him. It's just that there might be better options out for you out there. Uh, so, yep, moving on. Let's look at another guy, other end of the scale, Clint Guffo. Uh, look, normally not hugely fantasy relevant, but I've got Clint Gutherson here, 638k, 44 break-even wing fullback. Look, Gutho is priced exactly where he was. He had no games out due to injury, no significant changes to roll. 
So we only really see a big spike for Gutherson if Moses misses a significant chunk of time. As Gutho kicks up. So you see that in the games where he doesn't play with Moses, he adds, uh, he adds about five points worth of attacking stats plus goal kicking. So guys, and we know that five points of attacking stats plus goal kicking equals money. So... Uh, that's why I suggest that we chuck a star in Gutho. If Moses, for some reason, went down with a big injury at some point, I would be having a serious look at Gutho because he, he's one of those guys at the moment, he could be worth 800k if he was essentially acting as like the second half back in attack and had a bit of, bit more kicking and a bit of goal, and the goal kicking in there too. Nick, would you have an interest in Gutho if Moses wasn't there? Yeah, that's the Gutho we all love. You know, the one that's on the ball all the time and gets his hands on it um, and ups his involvement. So, yeah, absolutely, I'll be on. But at this stage, no. That's it. Chuck a star territory. Uh, look, uh, Nick, speaking of Mitch Moses, what are we thinking, mate? It's not a huge percentage of ownership for him, either Mitch or Dylan Brown. But let's have a quick chat about them because they are, what, top 10 fantasy half prospects. Yeah, they are. They're really um, important players uh, in terms of their price. So Mitch Moses is 747K. He's got a break-even of 52, and he averaged that in 2022. Only 2% ownership. Um, and like his Haas partner, Dylan Brown, he upped his 2022 average um, compared to 2021 by five fantasy points. So he also kicked a career-high 3.7 goals as a career um, at above career average of 78.5%. Um, so I don't see any kicking, uh, goal kicking upside in 2023. So he averaged um, 52 in 2020, 50 in 21, and then back up to uh, 52 in 2023, which shows a serious consistency. Um, so he averages uh, just a little bit of a nugget. He averages 53.1, um, where he used to average nearly 64 before the clearing nerf. Um, so yeah. What what that means is that he's really been able to um, sustain um, his uh, his his scoring despite that. Um, but without Reid Marnie in 2020 2021, he averaged uh, 55 um, in 49 80 minute games. So um, there's no serious upside with Reid Marnie going. Um, so really, I'm just going to chuck a star on Mitch Moses and maybe pick him up later, um, as there's no value there in my opinion. Um, do you see any value, Stu? Any anything I missed? No, not really at all. I I feel like, uh, I feel like these guys, and I know we're going to get to Dylan Brown. They just they're both very good players. They both get a pretty even distribution of ball now that Dylan Brown's come along a little bit, and so they just drink each other's milkshake. And unfortunately, fantasy, you just, you can't have it, right? You just, you need one guy, you want one guy doing all the hard work in the halves, and you pick him. And in this one, it's just, you're not sure which week, who's going to show up where. So, but Mate, look, that's, it, that's because there's too much Dylan Brown. That's it. Well, look, if we cut, if we cut out, um, you know, if one of these guys goes down, I would be very interested in the other because they're both quality players. Well, mate, on to Dylan Brown, 751K, virtually the same stats. He's got the same break-even, and he averaged 52.6 last year and 2.5% ownership. So no one's touching the um, Parramatta halves. It's another career year after averaging 48 in 2021. 
So he's really focused on his ball running and ball playing and literally doubled his attacking output in 2022 compared to um, 2021 by 10 fantasy points. So it really is across the whole board. He's just literally doubled his tries, try assists, line breaks, um, tackle busts, offloads. It's all up. Um, and he's only sacrificed two uh, base fantasy points. Um, and his kick meter percentage is halved. So he's really gone from... 127 kick meters to 64. So um, Moses has compensated by taking on just a little bit more kicking duties. And they've just said to Dylan Brown, mate, focus on your running game um, and set us up. Um, so the only way up, in my opinion, is kick meters. But I don't see that happening. I don't really see any value round one. So exactly the same as Moses. I just chuck a star in and maybe think about it later on. For sure. I'm just hoping they move him to centre for a couple of rounds like they did last year and he picks up that DPP. If That's, only. Yeah, they 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 need to um he needs to be moved and yeah. He's just too well priced. Both of both of these guys actually. They're just too well priced to even bother with round one, I think, unfortunately. That's it. And uh any interest on your part for either the yourselves to start the season? No, I think Nick nailed it. Um, both are very well priced. However, um, like you were saying, if like if Mitch Moses goes down, who would you guys pick, Dylan Brown or Clint Gutherson? Gutho, because he's kicking goals. Yeah, uh, and yeah, Gutho. Base. Yep. Yep. Like I'd be interested in Dylan Walker, but I reckon that some of the like he'll have a he'll have a bit of an increase. But I'd be all over Gutho. Mm-hmm. Uh, if Dylan Brown went down, I'm not sure I'd want Gutho because he wouldn't be picking up those goals, I'd probably want Moses. Because he would pick up some more of those attacking raids, you know, if he was playing with Jacob Arthur. So, 100%, yeah, mate. That's how I feel. What, what? Who's the last member in the spine, mate? Ah, excellent. We're about to round us off for the one. Josh Hodgson. They're actually possibly most interesting fella here. 532k, 37 break-even hooker. Was in my first fantasy team that I made for the season has been in a few in around 4% of teams uh, so very much a pod as a few people have stayed away from a guy who is uh, to put it politely aging and to put it uh, impolitely busted so look he's had a couple of the off rough seasons uh, with injury uh, 2020 and 2022 and a bit of 2021 as well so uh he, but he's look. He's had on the plus side. If we're looking at the plus side for Hodgson, why should I get him? He's had full twelve months on the knee reconstruction, and looks to be like a core part of this revamp side. He also looks. Uh, have you guys seen that photo of Josh Hodgson? Yes, like the I'm glad you mentioned it. He is jacked. <laughs> jacked. <laughs> What's those muscles around your neck? Like that was bulging. That's oh it. Those gosh. traps, dude. You could break his neck, and he's, he'd still oh. be looking upright with those traps. Yeah, no, the um, having a look there, so he's looking good, though. Obviously, Mitch said the other day that uh, Hodgson's issues are all below the knees. Uh, oh, so the knees are below, not not uh, not with the arms. So I know, let's see there. But look, my question around Hodgson is that, look, at his best, he can be a good hooker. So he averaged 50 points in 2019, 47 in 2021, both of which make you money. However, other seasons, he's crept down to the mid-40s. So you've got 39 average in 2020 uh, with eight, in eight games. And he's had a couple of other seasons along the way where, you know, he's sort of averaged around that 
low to mid 40s. So looking at that, the upside here is that obviously he'll have a lot to do in a side which I reckon is probably going to try and refocus the to play a bit more through the middle. You know, you've got Regan Campbell-Gillard and Junior Paulo who were, you know, they're really not fantasy relevant, but they are very good middle forwards. So, Nick, with that in mind, look, I've got Josh Hodgson's spicy choice here. Do you agree with that? Yeah, he's spicy in the sense that you're sort of buying him at his floor, right, based on his role and his fantasy output, and he really does have that upside. Um, yeah, I just remember Mitch saying that he just wouldn't touch him based upon the issues he's had um, below the hips. So, yeah, I wouldn't touch him in that sense. I mean, if there was no Tanner Boyd for like 50k cheaper, I think I might jump on Hodgson, eh? Mm. Yeah, that, that's hard it. Too, though. And Brandon Smith for 50k more. Yeah, yeah, there's a lot of good hookers to pick from that are really at this price range this year. Yeah, if so those... It's really toss-up, isn't it? If Cheese fell over, you know, down a hole along with Tanner Boyd, <laughs> right, and Toby Sexton was back, I would seriously have a good look at Josh Hodgson as my second hooker. And I guess we really want a couple of dates with Josh Hodgson, don't we? Like, if we see a couple of really good games, he price won't take off straight away with a break-in at 37. If we come out and he's looking a million bucks, would you guys be interested at that point? Yep. If he gets the 80, I'm in. Yeah, sign me up. Mm, there you go. If, okay. if he gets if he gets the eighty, I'm in. But I just don't know. We just got to wait and see. I think to see who's that fourteenth man. Fair enough. Okay. Well, look. Let, let's chuck a star in Joshy Hodgson for now. Then, rather than put him as a spicy, we'll, we'll go forward from. No, there. no, no. It's spicy. It's spicy. Okay. Fair enough. But look, yeah, it's it's certainly one that we. I'm going to be watching that first trial. I'm going to be watching it quite heavily for that. So, because uh, he's playing in the first trial, which is interesting, get a bit of game time in his legs. Oof. Mate, Ants, you're the you're the uh, Josh Hodgson fan, aren't you? Yeah, like I picked him. I think it was first season. I picked him. It was a good pick, but then he, I think he got injured, so he did burn me. That's why I'm like, eh. <laughs> we'll just wait for the goods. But no. yeah, I like his play style. I, I, it's a good play style. So fingers Last crossed. Last year, reason. Just about the minutes. Reid Marnie averaged 77 minutes last year. That's huge. So in that case, man, this must this is really tempting me now. I don't know. Oh, yeah, because do you really want to okay, be playing Mitch Rain? Mitch Rain? Like, no, probably not. <laughs> I oh, think they'll be God, is he he, He's come there this year, so he's playing off the bench. So he could certainly be a 14. Oh. Otherwise, it could be Bryce Cartwright coming in for a few minutes. Uh, what about Jakey? Could be Jacob Arthur, like yeah. for a few minutes. But you're not worried about them stealing many minutes off him. It's more around if you do have Mitch Rains there. Mate, juicy. I'm I'm very interested now. Very interested. Interesting. Is that all our Eels players, mate? That it is. So let's go to the ladder predictions. Ant, where do you reckon the Eels are going to end up this year? Like I said, they're just a little bit slightly worse based off gains and losses. So I'm going to say fifth. Even better though, they were fourth last year. Um, so they'll miss the top four, and subsequently that means no premiership win because no one has won the premiership outside the four ever. Yeah, not in the NRL era, for sure. Not in the NRL era, nope. Yep, yeah. and look, uh, yeah, and they only just snuck in last year, I'll be honest with you. It was that real Stephen Bradbury in past the storm with that final win. Oh, so- yeah, that's right. Yeah, I'm just looking at the ladder now. 
as, yeah, I as, only got over them by two. I was watching down at the Rose and Crown down in uh, Parramatta, and uh, everyone was having a great time down there watching that game. So, <laughs> excellent. Uh, Nick, yourself? Man, I got them eighth. Eighth. Oh. Ooh, bit of a slide. And look, I could certainly nah, see that. They're, not too much. There certainly can be a decline there. Look, I have them as sixth, so I've also got a bit of a decline there too. But look, we're all sort of the same thing, which is maybe sliding just out of the top four. So bottom of the top four. Yeah, oh, I so. think that's fair. Yeah, yeah, fifth to eighth. That's a good good range for them. That's it. And look, I think they consider their success in a bit of a transition year, assuming they've re-signed Mitchie Moses. I think if they don't make the eight, I think there will start to be questions asked. I think Brad Arthur will be more on notice for next season, hey? Yep, and definitely. So easy. So, you know, grand final win probably buys you this year no matter what happens. Uh, but yeah. Silly thing is, like, if you sack Brad Arthur, who the hell are you going to bring in? Like, honestly, he's clearly one of the best coaches out there. Like, yeah, anyway. Yeah, there's not many. Not at the moment. Yeah, you'd be bringing in um, Michael Maguire to come in and smash up your club room. Mm-hmm. <laughs> you, uh, like, really, you, they've been so good for so long. After, before Brad Arthur, it was the dark days, really. I don't know... You know, I, I know they're prisoners at the moment in footy clubs, but, you know, and, and the pressure from fans and, you know, all that sort of stuff. But really, they've got it really good at the moment. They sure do. I, I completely agree with you there. So I would uh, I would definitely not be getting rid of, uh, of Arthur unless you had an absolute killer waiting in the wings to take his spot, right? 100%. Okay. Look, let's move on. Team with a lot to talk about next, Tigers. Quite a few team additions, and uh, let's start off big ones. John Bateman, Wigan Warriors, still not in the country, but is signed to 2026, assuming that the Australian government, you know, ever lets him into the country. <laughs> we have uh, Sione Fainu from the Manly Seagulls. Uh, we have Dave Clemmer joins in a player swap uh, to 2026 as well. Appy Corosau from the Panthers. Justin Matamua, uh from the uh, signed up to the top club. Uh, to the top side from reserves. Isaiah Papali'i from the Parramatta Eels to 2025. Uh, Finua Pole has been re-signed, I think, into the top 30 this season. Uh, Apisalom uh, Sakuru has also been signed up, as has uh, the Fresh Prince Will Smith from the Gold Coast Titans, as for this year. <laughs> Another Premiership winner, Charlie Staines, joins the side uh, just for this year. And... Brandon uh, Tumuth has been signed up from reserve grade all the way to 2025, so must have some wraps on him. So looking at this one, quite a few team losses as well as this team churns over from their spoon. And who have they lost? Yep, so there's quite a bit of bloodletting at the Tigers. Uh, a lot of people leaving um, for this season so far, Manu Brown straight to the Bulldogs, Luke Garner, big loss to Penrith, Oliver Gildart to the Dolphins. Interesting one here, Hastings to Newcastle. Mm. Um, Luciano obviously went a bit earlier last year. Uh, straight to the Cowboys and Jacob Little straight to St. George Illawarra Dragons. Josh Jock Madden, sorry, to the Broncos, Thomas McKayley to the Warrington Wolves, Zane Mossgrove to the Dragons, so that's another one for the Dragons, wow. Tyron Peachy. No real addition to the Penrith Panthers. James Roberts retired, thank God. James Tamo, North Queensland Cowboys, and Kelma Tuolagi, who disappointed us all last year, to the Eagles. 
Oh, riding the Tuolagi train last year was like... It, it was, though. Oh. 40 points. Hooray. HIA, 15 points. Boo. Miss a game. Boo. 40 points. Yay. 15 points. Injured shoulder off. <laughs> we all suffered together. That's the main thing. Oh, we did too. That's what happens when you buy edges for 310k at the Tigers, right? Like, you get what you get. So, <laughs> all right, guys. Uh, biggest game. Nick. Who do you reckon the best game is here? Uh, two-time premiership winning, origin starting hooker, Picasso. Yeah, I think I agree with that one. Like, I like Papali a lot. But I think Appy, around that middle, will be getting these forwards good ball. And that's what matters. You can't sign all these good forwards if they're on the back foot and they're getting crap ball. So I think Appy... Mate, you've converted me. You've converted me. You've worked on me and it's worked. I just don't think you can go past him. That's it. Ant, do you agree, or are you, you you a bigger fan of? Uh, do you reckon that Papa Lee will have a bigger Charlie impact? Stans. Oh. <laughs> or Charlie yeah. Stans. Oh, Charlie Sands. Or Clemmer. Um, I was yeah, that's a good one. I don't know, like yeah, as long as Clem doesn't, he had a good season last year actually in terms of fantasy, a lot of points. But I don't He's know, very like, strong. Very strong, but like uh, mouthing off to the trainer. Yeah. I don't know how that's going to sit. So I think Appy's a good. He's probably their biggest game for, for sure. Premiership yeah. winner. And I think we all agree this team is much stronger than last year. Yeah, no spoon for this team this oh. year. Nah. Yeah. No spoon. Yep. Yeah. Oh yeah, Johnny. Yeah, especially if Johnny Bateman joins them. All right. Let Let's go through Nick. Uh, so Mitch puts some notes in here uh, for us. Look, Sean Bloor. Uh, with his ACL spill, which is you know you want the full twelve months. Well, we had the full twelve months on Sean Bloor as he did his ACL in last preseason. So good news is he's had plenty of time to spool up for this season uh, and he should be fully fit. And the coach has been singing his praises even better. Uh, look, Tommy Talau, exactly the same issue. He actually did his ACL in round 23, 2021. So they waited the full year because his was a nasty injury. They didn't decide not to bring him back in a losing team last year. So again, we should see the best of Tommy. Uh, Kim Malolo had a few MCL injuries and other, you know, knee niggles last year. Uh, had a bit of a clean out. He should be fine to go. Alex Safarth, who we all liked, I think, from a fantasy standpoint, when he started last year, did tear his pec round 22. Bit of a sad case there. But again, should be good to go for the front of the, uh, beginning of the season with that three-month layoff, uh, which that pec injury takes. So uh, strength of schedule, Nick. How are we looking at the Tigers? Are they in for a tough season or are things looking better in Tiger Town? Mate, six hardest overall schedule. Um, so fourth hardest rounds 1 to 12 and sixth hardest for the origin period rounds 13 to 20. And then back end of the year, it's sort of middling uh, for rounds 21 to 27. So they got the buyers rounds 7, 13 and 17. So they actually finish up their buyers um, quite quickly. Um, first three are a cakewalk, guys. They've got the Titans at home, the Knights home, and then the Bulldogs away. And then there's a bit painful when you've got the Storm, Broncos, Eels, and then they run into their round seven bye. So the origin period, they have the round 13 bye. Then they catch a weakened Storm in round 16, who will be missing their guns. And then round 19, they've got the Sharks at home, who realistically will be close to full strength, which is a bit nasty. The last four games aren't too bad. So you got the Warriors round 24, Dolphins round 25, the Roosters round 26, and the Seagulls away round 27. 
So in terms of the teams they have twice, they have the Cowboys, Dragons, Knights, Rabbitohs, Raiders, Seagulls, Storm, and Titans, which is actually pretty good. Yeah. Can, um, can, when did they cop the Cowboys? <clears throat> oh, just, just in a regular season game. You know, it's not the best, but it's not the worst double-ups for sure. Yeah. Yeah, it's not, it's not, not terrible. Um, having the buys finish up around 17 means you can have faith in their gun showing up for the home stretch, which is nice. Uh, round one cashies are a go with a round seven buy, so that's enough money to make a little bit of coin if you need to bail out by round seven. So only one chaos round uh, in round 13. Um, so they'll be largely available, so for round 16 and rounds 19. And the team's twice is, is pretty good. If there's some capitulation for a middling team like the... Raiders, Seagulls, and Knights. Their schedule gets a bit easier. Um, not really much to say about their schedule overall. Um, it's just a bit hard with no real um, trends forming. So, yeah. Yeah. Oh, look, I I, uh, I definitely like this because they're, you know, we'll get into it. There are a number of Tigers guns this year, which, and we're not sure how they're going to shake out, I don't reckon. So knowing that the fact that they finish round 17 with the buys means that we should know approximate values by then, I reckon. Of some guys like Clemmer Bateman, Offer, some of these uh, Papali'i, some of these real guns, and we can we can work out what's going on. So yeah, de- def- definitely keen to hear how that that shakes out. Uh, look, let's have a look at the staying seventeen. So I've got the round one predicted lineup. Uh, so at fullback I have Dane Laurie, although I believe that he will be fighting out with Charlie Staines pretty heavily for who gets that fullback role. Uh, I reckon I want to be really watching that second trial because Laurie's playing the All-Stars and Charlie Staines is starting fullback in the trials this week. So it could be really interesting, especially if uh, Staines kills it in the trials. Uh, but at the moment, I've got Dane Laurie fullback, Charlie Staines and David Nofaluma on the wing. Uh, I've got Brent Nade and Tommy Talao at centre. Luke Brooks and Andui, 6 and 7. Joe Offengawi and David Klemmer at prop. Uh, Api Korosau hooker. On the edges, I have, I've gone here with Isaiah Puppley and Sean Bloor, with John Bateman coming in at 13, possibly. So, especially because he might need a little bit more time to get up to speed with his combinations. Uh, on the bench, uh, Stefano Udokamanu, uh, Fanua Pole, Alex Twal, and Jake Simkin, rounding out as that uh, utility hooker. So... Guys, having a look at that, let's have a look at a few people we really do want to talk about. Charlie Staines. So I've mentioned Charlie Staines here only if he wins that fullback position. Beat it. <laughs> so he beat out Dean Laurie as as the backup fullback over at the Panthers. So after that, we can sort of see there's possibly a bit of a talent difference there. And look, last year New South Wales Cup averaged 46.1. He's also bulked up in size and he's more willing to take on the line as seen in that finals run in 2022. So with that in mind, 26 break-even, I reckon we could possibly see 10 points with the value in Charlie Staines if he does win that fullback role. And if you're looking at a guy like Charles Nickel Klockstad in what's probably going to be a worse Warriors team versus uh, Charlie Staines, I'd, I'd be almost be interested in Staines at that point. Obviously, if he doesn't win that fullback role, Charlie Staines is completely fantasy irrelevant. If he did win that fullback role, Anthony, would you be interested in picking up Charlie Staines? Kind of hard to fit him in my current lineup, um, especially when you've got um, like the likes of Lockie Miller in there, some cheapies, um, Xavier, etc. But I mean, if Charlie Stays does get the fullback, definitely worth a look in. Um, he's a good player. 
-hmm. just hasn't really had much of a chance, especially at Penrith, to really take ownership of a fullback role. Um, so, yeah, see where he goes if he wins it. You know, it's a good risk to take, um, being priced at 372. So, yeah, I wouldn't be against it. Fair enough. Nick? Hey, very spicy. If you don't love uh, seeing Kay for his bulging disc issue he had for a little bit there or his hamstring issues, which I think he's had as well, um, Charlie Stane's only 22, so he's really got a lot of room to grow um, compared to like a CNK. Or, and um, he seems to, he's obviously come from a winning system. So I, I feel like that's a huge plus um, when you're looking at these types of players um, on the come up. So he's got good habits. So I think if he gets it, he might keep it potentially. Uh, very, very spicy if he gets it. That's it. I, I've been thinking about Charlie Staines for a little while there, you know, in that last sort of uh, spot on the bench because, you know, a lot of people have Hayes Perham in that spot. So they might have like Lockie Miller, someone like Savage, and then a guy like Hayes Perham. And look, we really, uh, really don't have much data on Hayes at all at the Bulldogs. I'd much rather take a punt on Charlie Staines and move Hayes to my emergencies, right? But then what do you do with Tyrell Sloan? Uh, Tyrell Sloan, well, he's not playing round one. I just I, I put uh, put both Perham and Sloan in my emergencies because, you know, there's 10 points worth of value in both those suckers. Yeah, it could be a significant cash cow for sure. Mm. Excellent. All right, Nick, let me kick it over to you, mate. Who have you got? Uh, okay, uh, Tommy Talau, just knock him off. 250K. He's got the DPP. Break even at 17. Um, twenty percent ownership, so everyone's on him. Uh, he missed last year, as you mentioned, due to that uh, ACL in the last game of the year. Um, so twenty twenty and twenty twenty one, he scored twenty five at centre and twenty five on the wing. So if he gets in, he's gonna hit a twenty five. Um, he appears to be in everyone's team, as I mentioned, and it's really hard to find a DPP two fifty k sort of bargain basement price um, for your bench cover. I just think it's really low risk. And not high upside, but medium upside, considering he can score in the low 30s, which he did in reserve grade. Um, my query is mainly on his job security. So before we jumped on, we were mentioning guys like Brent Naden, Stafford Toa, Nessie Kapoa um, are all fighting for those spots. Uh, so it's just wait for TLT on Tommy Talao, guys. Just don't lock him in, but he's a good placeholder for around that price as your center cover. Um, any objections to you? No, he look and he did he did that sort of scoring, that twenty five centre scoring, which is close to where we want, on a pretty trashy team. Right? So the fact that uh, he, could he be was errors galore too, like missed tackles, yeah, it was a crap team. Oh, he, and it was oh it was defensive errors. Like you're eighteen, you're coming along, you'd be getting hit with a baseball bat by, you know, Michael Maguire every time you miss a tackle at training. You know, I, I would imagine that he's probably in a much more cultivating system and he's probably had like at least six months where he's been back to being able to run to practice those skills and work in those formations, right? Yeah, like he just had some games where he missed like uh, all plus missed tackles per game, which just kills your score. You know, you know, he had one game with eight missed tackles. And you just go, oh, okay, righto. Yeah, I think they were getting turnstiled that game. I think I remember the one because I owned him. Yeah. Yeah, but yeah. I, I, I do get the point. Let, let's hope that Tommy Talaus learned how to tackle, right? Let's hope so. Awesome. 
Ant, mate, who have you got? I hear you got a guy uh, who disappeared a little bit last year, Alex Twal. Yeah, we all love Alex Twal. We really want him to get that elusive try. Really do. Um, so Alex missed <laughs> the remainder of the season, as everyone knows, due to serious concussions in round 15. Um, he's priced at 651k with a break-even 40, and he's only owned by 0.49% of people. Um, he's someone to watch out for. and might be a bit of a spicy slash boom player. If you look at his tackle efficiency over the last few seasons, the man does not miss a tackle and as a machine in defense. I think he, in a like, oh, I can't remember the stat, but I think he missed one tackle over like most of the season, which is insane. Hmm. His ceiling was 76 against the Eels and he had a low of 31. So if you want a pod uh, for a mid, this could be a great choice. Uh, on the flip side, though, like I mentioned earlier, there are concerns if he suffers another head knock. He might be forced into retirement, so just pick him at your own peril. Yeah, uh, Nick, I, I don't know about you. Uh, my concern for Twal is, apart from the fact he's got more competition this year, with you know Clamour coming along and a few others, uh, is yeah that head knock. Like, how concerned are you, Nick? Um, well, we were discussing with Murray. Um, it's just one of those things you can't really worry about it too much. I don't think. Um. I think the bigger problem with Twyla is his minutes, to be honest. I don't know where he's going to get minutes on this side, considering the pedigree of, of forwards they brought in. That's true. If he's competing with, what, Othangawi, Clemmer, uh, yeah, where's where's he getting... Yeah, it'll Do you be... want to do a rundown of the of the forward, forwards minutes, Stu? Uh, yeah, let's, let's do it. Look. Uh... Offer, I've got in at 50 minutes. Yep. Clamour, 50 minutes? Yep, 50-55, yep. Yep, Papali'i, 75? Yep, uh, 70, yep. Uh, yeah, Sean Bloor, 65 or so minutes, yep. right? But Johnny Bateman, if he gets a lock spot, 65 minutes? Yep. Then I've only got like 90-odd uh, minutes, 100 minutes left to give to Yutu Kamano, Polo, Twal and Simpkin. So... You know, you take Amano, 35 minutes, Twile, 40 minutes, and Polly 20 minutes. There's just nothing there because Bateman and Papaletti and Clemmer all like to play long minutes, you know what I mean? So, that's um, yeah, I just, even in a decent PPM, there's just no, if you can get the minutes, obviously he's a good buy, but I just don't see it. Yeah. Not with Johnny Bateman. And maybe maybe you can spin this into the other guys too because let, let me have a look at a couple of other guys that, that I've got on my list, right? Because they've all got exactly the same issue. Because now that we're in there, right? David Clemmer, 797k, 55 break even. So, the issue that you got, right? How many minutes can Clemmer get? He's come off a career year where everyone else was busted, right? They were basically screaming who can play for us at Newcastle at points during the season. And he's moving to a much better team. And we're not sure how many minutes he'll get. So... I want to understand how Clemmer is going before we buy, yeah? And that minutes. And yep. look, that goes across to Isaiah Papali for me as well. 886k, 61 break even. So he's by far and away, you know, champion to be the number one leading edge scorer this year because he runs hard, he plays hard. But he's in a new situation, a new club. 
and I'm not sure there's too many points left in his tank. Like, how how much more can he score from 61 on an edge, right? Nah, it's it's already superhuman what he's doing, really. Yeah, so he's done that. Uh, so I he also lost the DPP, brings him back to the pack a little bit as far as that goes. So we can predict in sixty in seventy minutes he'll get around forty five base points, fifteen points of attack, five to six points of demerit, and so look that 0.83 ppm is definitely sustainable. So pushing those minutes up or down, his projections change a little bit, but we just don't know. So and if Sean Bloor is on the bench, if Johnny Bateman is out there, it could be the Papley gets sixty minutes of the best, right? And that Bloor yep. gets twenty. Yep. So or a Papali moves into the middle after a little while. You just don't. I don't know. So I want to chuck a star on Clemmer and Papali'i and Alex Twal. Like for me, mate. And and I'll I'll, I'll continue going with um, Johnny Bateman. Mm-hmm. Um, he's he's bloody expensive too. Just a tick over eight hundred k. Break even in fifty six. What a ruin. So twenty nine. Yeah, I know it's gross because in twenty nineteen, um, he averaged fifty eight. Um, mm. So I can't find any statistics from the Super League without paying for some sort of subscription. So no, thank you. Um, only two games at lock in 2019 with a PPM of 0.72, which is underwhelming for a guy like him that really can do everything. You know, he can run, he can tackle, bust, he can offload, he can tackle, he can, he does everything. So skillful. Um, but he's got a 0.74 PPM on the edge, which means he's worth it uh, around 59 if he gets an 80 minute edge roll. But as you said, we don't know what the hell's going to be happening here. So, um, but when he was playing for the Raiders, he was really, 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 really good. That like they were really good. They went to the grand final. You know what I mean? So um, I, I wouldn't be surprised if they looked at starting him on the edge, benching Bloor, starting Yudoikamana, and using Offer as potentially a battering ram thirteen to just overpower teams um, to sort of fix this logjam. Um, and getting the best players on the field because Bloor isn't one of the best players. He's good, but he's not one of the best. Um, so I think if he's on the edge, I think you can get it. If he plays, if he's on the edge, gets the 80 minutes, you can lock him in for around 60. But I think he's only maybe, I don't know, 50s if he's playing lock. So there's no, there's not much value in him at all, um, personally. So what do you think about that, Stu? Do you think... Um, Bateman on the edge, or do you think he's going to play lock? Look, uh, part of me wants him to play lock because then we get Sean Bloor. You know, our lives become a little bit easier because we get a gun there. The answer is I don't think we know yet. I'm not sure that they know yet. He hasn't. He's not in the country. He hasn't played a game. So I reckon that Johnny Bateman he could play the edge. He's got the he's got the chops to do it. But if he's lost a little bit of speed, I reckon that often Gowie isn't necessarily the best thirteen because he doesn't have a pass. He's just all effort. So if you've got a guy like Bateman, who's got a little bit more of a skill set, passing skill set, running skill set, and a little bit of a kick on occasion as well, able to play both sides of the field, you'd want him there, wouldn't you? Because they've signed him to 2026. So you, so you want to be getting the best out of him. I, I would want him at lock in that sort of roving role, and then you get these other guys on an edge just punch, punching the ball forward for you, running those running those lines. No, you're right. I'm just trying to think, how do you get your best players on the field, do you know what I mean, for the longest minutes? But I think, that's, yeah, in terms that, of team construction, I think you're right, yeah. Well, that that it would be, in my mind, right? But again, I'm not a, I'm not an NRL coach. I'm certainly not 
you know, dual premiership winner, Tim Sheens. So, but, uh, you know, if you had Offengawi, Clemmer, Appy, Isaiah Papali'i and John Bateman on the field at the same time and add Sean Bloor in there, who seems to be a real gun that they like, I reckon that's their best forward pack on the field. But if you put Bateman on the edge and you put Yutukamanu, who's the next guy I'm going to talk about, oh, in yes. there, I just think, you know, Yutukamanu, 396k, 27 mm. break even, he's nearly got 8% ownership, which surprises me, to be honest. Um, that's Mid- very high, I think. Mids are a fight this year, and people know that he's good. Mm. Mm. He was one of our... year, though, right? Yeah, oh, he was busted last year, though. He had, like, yeah. multiple injuries. He had a high ankle sprain, broken this, broken that. Like, just heaps of injuries, man. He was in one of our... Was our first or second podcast? He was our boom. Mm. Um, one of our first ones ever. Him and Burton, I think. So after slaying in the back end of Landy's ball of 21 with a nearly a, a 1 ppm, that did not pan out for us at all last year. <laughs> So he came back to the pack with a 0.86 ppm in seven games over 30 minutes. So with this ppm, I don't think you lose value as you only need 31 minutes to break even or even make money. Therefore, I see no downside and only blue sky. But um, really, it's going to be really difficult trying to get minutes. Yeah, who knows? You know, I've got him penciled in for 35 minutes, so he couldn't make you know have five points of value maybe that and that's the downside in my opinion so you take a mind it could be one of those uh slow burns potentially yeah uh, it could be a trap for your early oh. early season money i don't know and what, what are you thinking do you want udo Ekamani? i'm still feeling burnt like i said so probably not <laughs> yeah look he, um yeah stay away from yeah yeah, because he started off at 500k last year and we thought he was really going to step up from his uh, 2021 scoring. But he did cop those injuries early as well. Like, he, he wasn't right for a lot of the last season. And he just, just injury after injury. And then he fell down the depth chart a little bit. And I guess, look, if he was the starting prop, and would you agree? Like, I would be interested in Udo Kamani if he jagged that starting spot. Yeah, for sure. Starting. Um, starting prop. 100%, but like we were discussing earlier with the mids, it depends how the coach balances the time of each prop um, in the game. So That's yeah. it. So look, another guy we probably want to chuck a star on unless we see him in that starting role round one. All right, now that we're slapped through basically it, the entire forward pack in a quick run uh, there. We've, we've, missed, we've missed offer for some reason, but... Uh, we, we've got him down. Oh, uh, we don't have him down. I, I, I'll i be honest with you. I, he is priced out. So, Joe Offengau had a career season. So, like, I know that he basically, like a lot of the recent forwards out of Brisbane, he left there as one of those guys of the future who's gone on to other teams because they just couldn't make use of him up in Brisbane for some reason. Uh, but last year, he was huge. 1,295 fantasy points last year, guys. So that is absolutely enormous. He played so many minutes across so many games. Uh, quick check for you guys. Where do you think 1,295 points as a middle put him in as far as overall points for middles last year? Uh, Number one. And what do you reckon? Great. Easy. So I'm just looking up as, as we speak here because I... Uh, I think he's number one. Uh, number two behind oh. Isaiah Papali'i. And Isaiah Papali'i is playing on the edge. So out of the guys who actually played in the middle... 
number one. So uh, he, he was surprised of last year, wasn't he? That's it. So yeah, he he was an absolute gun. So obviously, uh, we, out of the guys who are now priced as middles, yeah, number one, just above Joey Tarpane. So I can't see. Can you see any more minutes coming from this guy? No, no. no. And this is a pro. This is a sto- This is the story with all these tigers. It's just there's just not enough minutes to make anyone of serious value. Same with, with the, the Bulldogs. exception of. Oh, sorry, sorry, there's Sean Bloor. Sorry if he gets it. Um, and there's um, potentially you took a money. Everyone else, I sort of think it's going to go backwards. That's it. So look, let's let's check a star on all of them because I think the relevant details, Nick. The Tigers finished their buyers round seventeen, so get on the get on the cheapies for the Tigers early, right? Because they got a nice little run up to round seven, and then convert out of them and only buy the big boys, buy your Papali'i's, maybe your Clemmers, your Often Gowies, even your Appy Coruscants, even your Adam Dewey's, right? I'd be looking at them it's round seventeen and on, but. But look, yeah. let's have a look at the halves. So Adam Dewey, Nick. So look, Luke Brooks, you know, we've pretty much written off as, you know, sort of around where he's going to be here on analysis. But there's a little bit to Adam Dewey. So what are you thinking? Mate, 771K, break even of 53, and he averaged 50 in 2022. So 3% ownership, so pretty good pod. So he averaged 62 in the halves last year, coming back from his ACL um, with just all-around awesome stats. So... 22 tackles, 115 metres, 2.4 goals. So 10.3 kicking stats and 21 attacking stats and 9.4 negatives in eight games. So he's a legit boss in the house and is a much, much better team this year where he's arguably the best go forward in the league, in my opinion. He's averaged 59.2 in 22, 22 games in the house in the last couple of years. Whilst I'm not confident in Dewey or the Tigers, the fact he's 18 months post ACL, which was August 21, and his really strong historical numbers suggest it's almost a given to outperformance pricing in 54. Um, I just don't know from an injury point of view. I had a question for Mitch. Um, hey, Mitch, so, if you're at home this thing, we had a question for you, mate. Nah, yeah. kidding. <laughs> that, 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 that's my only question for uh, Dewey, really. Um Look, oh, is, I know is, we're all team Burton, but um, yeah, yeah. Well, my question I, about I Dewey is that, look, there's certainly possibly a little bit of value in him, right? Depending on, but it's a new coach. The new coach, the narrative that I'm thinking in my head is that, look, if the new coach gives, looks to be giving Luke Brooks more of the keys to the kingdom, right? You know, the no more excuses talk, the talk that we've been hearing for the last five years, but if he actually does it, Look, I'm not saying Dewey will go down in price, but I'm not sure how many more points I see. Whereas we look over at the Bulldogs, we look at the fact that uh, Cole Flanagan is playing the first trial and Matt Burton is not, right? As are neither of any of the other, you know, rep players over there. You can kind of see who's going to be drinking on the milkshake that the doggies. It's a bit, little bit more risky at the Tigers, is it not? A hundred percent. Yeah. So I, I'm a little bit off Adam Dewey. I know is he, is he in your round one team, Ant? No, he's not. I think you guys nailed all those points. Just yeah, can't touch him. Especially um, like you said, his point he's, he he could be going down in points. So 
Yeah. And very expensive play to pick up, 771. Yeah, definitely not going to touch him. Easy. All right. Uh, just having a look through here, because we, we've, we've chewed through a lot of players. I think we have one last one. He's a bit of a bit of an interesting fella, but we're hard up for centers this year. So, like, or at least especially cheap centers. So, and what are people looking at if they're looking at Brent Naden, 296k? Yeah. He gets a lot of hate, doesn't he? <laughs> was it last year that they, they had an announcement, like, it was about Brent Naden signing a new extension, and that was their big announcement? I can't remember. Anyway, <laughs> um, <laughs> he gets a lot of hate, um, but he could be a cheapy center, considering... Like you said, Stu, we're all scratching um, to find a good replacement for Matty Burton. Um, I'm reluctant to put him in like a boom category um, just because looking at his uh, scores last year, he punched out a minus two. <laughs> yeah, I'm not sure you can. I'm not sure you can have a guy like that in your 70s. He's got to be an emergency pick at that point, right? Yeah, at, at this point, yeah. Um, but he had a ceiling of 33, so there's. There's a lot to go. Um, priced at 296, break even of 20. So, um, you know, if the Tigers do have, in fact, turned things around this year, you might be able to squeeze some cash out of him if he's just sitting on your um, emergency. Um, but, yeah, he, he, I don't think he's going to be smashing out big scores. He's just kind of good to have um, if you need someone to, to fill your roster in, really, at this point. That's it. Yeah, look, Brent Nadine, he's certainly a bit of a risk for me. Uh, I'd I'd probably take Tommy Talao over him. How about you, Ant? Uh, yeah, I'd probably take Talao over Brent Naden. Yeah, that's Definitely. it. Though, you know, assuming they're both playing, of course. Oh, yeah, if, if, assuming they're both playing. Yeah, easy. All right, so look, we've been through them all, and uh, on a little bit of review here, we've basically chucked uh, chuck a star on just about everyone... <laughs> Except for... Wait, we forgot Appy. Oh, hold on. We forgot Appy. Sorry, mate. Apologies, oh. Mr. Appy. I love you, bro. What are we thinking about Appy, Nick? <laughs> 7 to 18K. Uh, break even 50, and that's what he averaged in 2022. 4.5% ownership. So, fortunately, he isn't really losing much in terms of ruck momentum with the revamp forward pack with the likes of everyone we've already mentioned. Also, as Stu always points out, Appy is the best in the game at getting his forwards on the front foot with his vision, fakes, footwork, and hand speed around the ruck. He's quick, but doesn't have the same wheels as Cook or Grant, nope. as we know. In terms of role, I think he'll need to do plenty creatively to get the Tigers going, seeing as he's with an inferior halves pairing of uh, Brooks and Dwayne, and fullback isn't a gun either, uh, whoever that ends up being between Staines or Laurie. So in uh, his Panthers career, he's averaged uh, 0.78, um, PPM in 2020, 0.73 in 2021, 0.72 and 0.72 in 2022. So um, his minutes have also slightly declined over those years. Um, honestly, I don't see him going above his average minutes over the last couple of seasons of 66, 69 minutes with Jake Simpkin on Stu's predicted bench. So any upside is there for him in his attacking stats as his base stats are capped by his minutes. And he's historically a pretty poor tackler. Uh, because of his size. So he's fifth in missed tackles in 2022 with 99 tackles. That's behind Ben Hunt, Matty Moylan, Lachlan Croker, and Reid Marnie. So he's in with good company there. Um, just note, his attacking stats are also likely limited to um, Grant and Cook have a 0.22 and 0.23 attacking PPM, and Appy is a 0.91. So there's really not that much. 0.19. With Appy. Yep. Yeah. 
there's only a 0 0.03, 0.04 PP. It's just not much upside here, guys. He's already good at attacking, and his base is already uh, capped by his minutes, and he misses too many tackles, which I don't think he can rectify. So he's a he value. He really is what he is. Yeah, he's a value. So uh, track star, I guess. See if you can pick him up cheap uh, throughout the season. That's it. Look, for me, it's definitely, I would, um, I reckon there's probably a little bit more money in either guy who you know is going to be punching at the 80, like Jaden Braley, or I'm I'm finding Reece cash. Robson. I'm going straight up to Reese Robson. I'm finding yep. the, uh, what, 65K that I'll need for that. Awesome. Okay, so look. Same. That's what I've done. Excellent. So, so look at this one. Nick, do you have him as a bust or a chucker star? Is he a guy that we might want to pick up later on in the year for that run home? Yeah, chucker star. I, I reckon he's still a keeper. Um, yeah. Yep. Yeah, and if he if he does drop down in price at some point, you know, has a bit of a dip, he's someone that, that yeah, we might slice up around that origin period or just after. And he plays all the games on the run home, which is nice. We especially like that. He might, might miss round 19 if he is playing origin for origin three. Uh, and mm. maybe backing up, but yeah, for the rest for sure. So, mm. quick review here. Basically, unfortunately, the Tigers, while there's a lot of action there, most of it we can't do much about, except maybe Sean Bloor and Tommy Talao if they are starting, and Stefano Udo Ikemanu if he is starting, along with a little, little sneaky, spicy Charlie Staines. <laughs> if, again, if starting at fullback. All right, with that in mind, guys. The other big thing to really think about here, and where do you think the Tigers are going to end up this year? Definitely not with the Spurners, uh, but I'm <laughs> going to break some hearts, especially Tigers fans. You guys are going to go ninth again, like all the other seasons that weren't last year. You're going to just miss out. That's it. Apparently, they've spent something like 11% of their time in the NRL at ninth, oh. which is insane <laughs> numbers, right? Wow. Like no one else comes close to those sort of numbers at any position, even first place for like the storm or something. So it's it's just filth how long they've spent in that position, man. All right, Nick, what have you got? I got an eleventh, mate. So around the same thing, just outside the eight. That's it. Look, same for me. Hilariously, I also put them at ninth because uh, I just I reckon. Look, they might crack the eight if they all gelled together really quickly. And look, if I'll be honest with you, if Luke Brooks has a career year if he lives up to that potential where he gets that running going on the back of some strong forwards gets that real kick placement into the corners to give his forwards the best chance so that they're not just exhausted every game i reckon that they could crack that eight though so i think it hey, really this is i think the best forward pack in the league like yeah. that's it so just but you've got to use huge. them right don't you? Like you, you got they got happy. They got happy. They got happy. But I'm saying you also got to kick to the corners. You got to start the sets well, like and finish your sets well, because otherwise all they're doing is if you kick badly, suddenly the team's just running backwards. You know, suddenly oh you're running back ten. It's they're just doing one long beep test. Really? Yep. Easy. All right, guys. Well, look. Thanks for that. Uh, any final thoughts from you on the eels or the tigers, Ant? Um, no, I think we covered pretty much all of it. Excellent, Nick. How about you, mate? Nah, thanks for coming, Ants. Nice to have you back on board, mate. Yeah, no yeah. worries. Look forward to seeing you guys on some other other episodes this year. If you'll have me back, oh, we'll have you back, mate. We'll we'll definitely have you around. I think we've got you penciled in for our Teamless Tuesdays one. Well, 
So that's Ooh. that's going to come. That's going to be a big one because we're going to have a lot of a lot of teams to cover in a very short period of time for that one. Uh, yeah, a lot of rock to break. So look, thank you everyone at home for listening. Uh, appreciate uh, your guys' support. Uh, please, you know, make sure to keep an eye on our, our socials as well. Let lets you know when our next uh, podcast is out and subscribe as well because that way it automatically arrives in uh, podcast on your favorite device. Uh, appreciate uh, appreciate all the good uh, feedback and comments we have as well. Uh, if you have any thoughts, uh, send us a DM. Uh, anyway, Stuart Lord here from the Boom and Bust NRL Fantasy Podcast, signing out from our preseason podcast number five. Thanks for listening to the Boom or Bust podcast. Make sure to subscribe and check out our Facebook page for more info.